And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi for Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, here we go. It is Open Line Friday. Our very first official Open Line Friday. This is this is where you get to call in and let us know what you think about things. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hutt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Glad to have all of you with us. And, <laughs> yes, Death Angels, I don't think I could sound like Johnny Donovan to save my life. But, yes, we are doing Open Line Friday from World Headquarters in Kansas City. And uh, it, it could be a really fantastic experience. It could be a complete disaster. We'll see. This show and other programs are available on a number of podcast platforms. At the moment, it looks like the podcast hosting platform is offline, but we'll keep checking that. But uh, normally the show is available on a number of different places. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the like. So you can find us there. Oh, I'm fighting a sneeze. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, all right. So we are broadcasting live to, uh, to Odyssey, YouTube, and uh, Facebook. Over on YouTube, we're sitting at 2,148 subscribers. And uh, over on uh, over on Odyssey, we're sitting at 210. On Rumble, we're at 77. Those are rookie numbers. We got to get those up. We got to get those numbers up. All right. So today, the great experiment. This is what we're going to try to do here: is um, let you all have something to say about whatever it is that you want to talk about. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to put into place first, not necessarily rules, but some suggestions and recommendations and requests. One, um, to keep it relatively PG-13 or better, but also, you know, the topics, there's a whole host of things that that could be talked about (coughs) on the program. Um, A lot of it, not um, a lot of it not relevant to sci-fi fantasy and horror. At least I, I mean, nuclear war. Yeah, that's a horror thing. But uh, uh, let's let's not talk politics today. If you guys want to talk Star Trek, you want to talk She-Hulk, you want to talk Rings of Power. I have not watched Rings of Power at all. I have not watched House of the Dragon, so I don't have an informed opinion about those such things. Um, I, t- I tapped out a She-Hulk at three episodes. But if you want general general conversation, if you want to take the floor and, and shout to the world what you guys want want to what you think about things, then uh, then we'll do that. Now, how this is going to work in, in, a, in, a, in a very brief moment, I'm going to put uh, a streamyard link in the chat. I'm going to pin it to the top. so any of you that want to participate, you can join via streamyard. And then once you're in place, 
uh, assuming that it works the way I think it's going to work, uh, you can get into there's a there's a private chat widget on the back end of this, and that's where you can if you can get to it before you're on the air. If you could put your topic there in the chat, so I know exactly, so I, I know what to expect. Um, <laughs> you're on your honor uh, to do this. So let's let's try this. Um, <laughs> Dave, uh, Dave's Dave's kind of kind of getting ahead of me here. Uh, can we address the unequal blame for tech issues not blamed on the Stone Martin weasels? I, you know, between the Stone Martin weasels. And the Gremlins, I think, uh, I think they've got a, I think they've got a monopoly on things, don't they? Okay, so here we go. This is, uh, I am taking my, I'm, I'm putting my show's life in your hands. There is the link uh, over there. I'm gonna put it there, and uh, let me pin it to the top, so it's, it's pinned. There we go. And I'm going to pin it over there. And let's see what happens <laughs> as we go. Now, uh, a couple of things as, as we're waiting for people to join in. Um, I have seen... Uh, <laughs> yes, Discord and Gilded. Yeah, that could be, that could be something. We're, we're looking at that. We're looking at that. Um, as a matter of fact, that, that reminds me here, let me, let me show you here, uh, this, uh, collection of boxes, you say, what's in the box? What's in the box? We're going to unbox this, but not yet. Uh, we've still got some things coming, um, that uh, between now and the end of the year could be significant here in the, in the studio. But, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to, not ready to reveal that one just yet. But we do have a couple of boxes. Got some other boxes coming. So, uh, did that other, did that other box ever move? Yes, Death Angels, that box did move and it got us some really good beef jerky. You'll have to go back and uh, and watch that uh, watch that spot. That was from two was it two weeks ago now? When did we when did we do that? That was a week and a half. Yeah, so not this past Monday, but the week before that, I think. Right? No, yeah. two. Was it? Yeah. All right, so a week and a half ago. So check that out. Uh, and it's, yes, it's very 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 good beef jerky. <clears throat> It's not all gone. You put half of it in the freezer, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's not all gone. <laughs> I was about to say, hang on, hang on. It's not all gone. I didn't eat my fill. <sighs> I mean, I'm pretty full as it is, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. <coughs> okay. So we've got, uh, we've got the season finale, uh, season one finale of Rings of Power that came out. All sorts of people are talking about it. We've got um, the rumors about Black Adam being confirmed uh, by people who have seen it with regard to uh, with regard to Henry Cavill's participation. Uh, so there's that. We also have um, the finale of She-Hulk, uh, she which I guess maybe we could, we, you know, besides the Gremlins and the uh, and the Stone Martin Weasels, we could bring, blame some stuff on Kevin, maybe, right? All right, our first victim, <clears throat> first uh, first caller, 
Uh, Cam1138 is here in the chat. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you for calling. You're on the air. Greetings. <laughs> How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I am. I'm stepping out on a limb for this. You guys. You guys are gonna. You guys are gonna do me right, right? <laughs> What's up? Well, I won't do. I won't do you wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'll. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. So, what do we got? Well, I don't have a real strong topic, unfortunately, but I, there is something I've been thinking about okay. <clears throat> with with uh, nerd culture or you know whatever that nonsense is being so prevalent today, where it's it's basically mainstream, um, and and it not going in a great direction. I'm thinking about <clears throat> what ways there might be to uh, get back to the way things were, where sci-fi and fantasy was kind of an uh, an actual nerd thing, meaning not mainstream. You know, kind of thing kind of underground in a lot of ways yeah as a way of getting back to what a lot of us think it should be i'm i don't you know that's a that's a good uh that's a good question because i don't know that we can ever get back to that um unless uh well there is a way that you can do it but in order for us to get back to the way it used to be where fandom was kind of in the underground, like you said, it probably will involve the death of the genre completely because you look at how the Westerns phased out and faded out and became unpopular because of the rise of science fiction, crime thrillers, and that kind of thing. I think it's going to take something like that so where the 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 superhero movies and the science fiction shows and all of these things completely fall out of favor and the only way that that's going to happen is if they stop making money and i don't see that happening anytime soon i i think i think the gatekeeping horse has left the barn and the people who want to gatekeep most of us fans out of the fandom have burned the barn down so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to build a new barn first in order to kind of shut the doors and say, "He Man Woman Haters Club only here, folks," because we're not gonna be able to close it off to everybody. And there's good and bad to that. <clears throat> well, I I I think you're generally on the right track, but uh, I think it's already in the process of being killed. I mean, <clears throat> look at what uh, take comics where they're, they're essentially already transforming superhero comics into something unrecognizable right. from what superhero comics were in the 70s, 80s, even 90s. Um, so they're, like you said, they're burning it down already. And, and so if, if there are fans that still like, again, continue with comic uh, analogy here, you know, heroic stories, such as you might find in manga today, but not American comics, yeah. um, and you have a, a movement like Comicsgate or other independent comics, um, Eric July and, and people like that. Um, they're coming in uh, kind of in the underground uh, zone. Um, d d you know, what's left is going to be a wasteland. So, so right. I, I, you know, I, I agree with what you said, but I, I think there is an opening there that we don't have to burn anything down. They're already burning it down. Well, that's a good point. Um, and, and I think you're right in that the industry at least in some corners, they're probably starting to recognize that a little bit because you got David Zaslav doing the changes that he's doing over at Warner Brothers Discovery, which probably includes DC Comics 
because we're seeing some changes there in the lineup, some different titles that are being phased out. They're being canceled. They're being revamped. Uh, you know, the latest one being Son of Superman, you know, John, the whole Jonathan Kent thing being done after issue 18. And, you know, now they're getting a new title, which doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to continue on the path of, you know, gay activist Superman as opposed to let's do some heroic sto stories. And, you know, you see the rumor with, uh, with Marvel and what happened with Mark Brooks and, and that kind of thing where they sit there and go, hey, stop doing that on the Internet. You know, stop being <clears throat> a pill. So maybe you're right. You know, it could it could very well be that the pendulum is starting to swing back a little bit. I mean, on the outside of the of the fandom, you know, there's a there's video circulating. You know, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez was at a Q and A down in in her district where she represents, and they were heckling her, basically saying, "Hey, you were sent you were sent to D.C. to stop all of this, not buy into it." So there's pushback not only I think in the culture, uh, but in in general where the the regular folk, the general population, are starting to push back on this. So it, it could very well be that I'm just being a cynic, and you're and you've got a better idea, a better read on this. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but no, the, um, the there is something else about that, and uh, it, it's a bit of a tangent, but uh, a lot of the mindset uh, again, I'll, I'll refer to Comicsgate. It originally was, oh, we want to reform. You know, we want to get back to the basics. We, we want you to stop making, you know, whatever politically driven stories. We want to get back to her hero stories with Batman, Superman, et cetera. Right. And then kind of a, a second stage or a later stage, at least of that has been, well, no, you know, we don't want what you have anymore. We're going to make our own thing. And th this segues into something else um, that I've, I've mused about a little bit. And it's like, Star Wars, massively popular, probably the most popular property in, in our lifetimes. Yeah. Um, maybe challenged by Star Trek, but <clears throat> how much, you know, and again, I, I, I was a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm starting to think now how much of our, our love and, and dedication to something like Star Wars has stunted new things. Um, you know, we've spent our lives focused on a very few things as opposed to exploring, you know, what we do next. And, yeah. and so I think the fact that they're burning down these beloved things is a chance to say, okay, well, what is next? We have a chance, not me, I'm not a creator, but you know, people in this zone have a chance to make that next great thing yeah. because of these people destroying the things that we formerly love. I, I, li I like that idea. And I, and I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, you look at the Comicscape movement, as as a catalyst for some of this, it also gives us uh, a path for a lot of these professionals. You know, people like Scott Snyder and, and Sean, uh, you know, Sean Gordon Murphy and and that that group to sit there and go. You know what? We could probably make our own as opposed to doing more Batman and now with more Batman and now with more Batman because. A lot of those professionals, quote unquote, are going the indie creator route as well. It's not just, you know, Michael Bancroft and, and Ethan and, you know, Mandy Summers and, and that set and Eric July, like you mentioned. 
it's it's people who have been in the industry, people who have been part of the DC and the Marvel universes who are also striking out because maybe they've read the tea leaves and they see these houses are burning down. I want some of my own and I want to be able to control this and have my own IP, my own intellectual property, my own universe that I can control and I can exploit and I can benefit from. And, you know, DC and Marvel become a, an also rant. But I do also think that, that DC especially, and maybe Marvel, are starting to realize that they've got to, they've got to stand up and they've got to pick themselves up because I'm seeing names coming back on the creative side that I haven't seen there in a while. I mean, Joe Casada's coming back to DC. You've got um, Mark, Mark uh, Silvestri. Mark Silvestri. You have um, oh, there's oh, the name just has gone. Uh, Ordway, Jerry Ordway is coming back yet, and I'm thinking these are these are established people. And, you know, and then you've got Mark Wade over here saying, you know, please hire me. And, you know, Mark Wade's a pretty solid writer when he when he wants to be, when he doesn't have an agenda to push. He can be a pretty good writer, but they're not using him, which makes me wonder, OK, well, has he has he sent out one too many black wreaths? Has he burned his bridge enough that. We're not going to get the agenda-driven writers. We're going to get the Jim Shooter types who's like, this is a business. We have a product to sell. It needs to appeal to the most number of people. Tell good stories and let's go. So maybe they're, maybe, maybe they're swinging back around too because they've lost people like Scott Snyder and Sean Gordon Murphy. And they're like, okay, what are we going to do now? How do we fix this? Yeah, and and you know the, there's there's two groups of people that are leaving. There, some of those are part of the problem, though. Too, you know, you've got some people that, are, like I'd say, Sean Gordon Murphy is someone who, you know, generally he's interested in making good stories. Is from from what I know about him, right. at least. Scott Snyder, on the other hand, uh, you know, he's he willfully engaged in a lot of this cancel culture nonsense. Maybe not the worst perpetrator, and maybe he's kind of go along to get along kind of guy. Um, that seems but, to be my impression of Scott is that he was more running for cover than actively antagonizing and attacking anybody because he actually came under fire himself for not moving fast enough when that whole I you know that whole men's pledge thing started circulating. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't fast enough on the uptake, so he's. Uh, He's um, kind of kind of. Hey, Scott, I noticed you didn't jump on this very quickly. Be a shame if we burn down your career. So I think he's more of the the running for cover type. Yeah, and that's fine. And and those people, if they if they do get out of that environment uh, where they're where they are forced to go along with this stuff or willingly go along with it, and they get back to trying to use their talent then things will work out fine. But, you know, if it's just locusts moving from one thing to destroy to the next, well, you know, maybe not. Yeah. Hopefully there aren't that many, many of those people. And without gigantic multi-billion dollar corporations backing them up there, they won't have any power to harm creators. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. It's, but I do, I do think things are going to get better. They may get worse before they get better. There may be that last dying gasp from people like Heather Antos or 
uh, Gail Simone or Mark Wade or Brooks or Dan Dan Slott, that group. But I think I think eventually, in the long run, things are going to do. We're going to be okay, assuming that we don't get all burned up in a nuclear fire, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. It's nice to have the '80s back in that way. I guess. Right. Uh, well, I mean, it's yeah. like yeah, it's nice. You know, it's Carter years all over again. Let's go for some nostalgia there, but uh, not the decade I would have picked. Yeah. All right, Cam. Thanks very much for the call, sir. It's good to hear you. Thanks for having me on. All right, we'll talk to you soon. And I think I owe you an email. I will. I will. I will get that to you. All right. Um, breaking news, uh, Mrs. Yes, you did see Mrs. Boss come over to me in the, in, in the camera. She handed me this news. This is, uh, breaking right now. Uh, Robbie Coltrane, who played Hagrid in the Harry Potter movies, among a lot of other things, has passed away at age 72. This is, uh, this is just now coming over the wires. Uh, let's see here. Robbie Coltrane, this is Hollywood Reporter. Veteran Scottish-born comic and actor known for his star turns in the British crime series Cracker and the Harry Potter movie franchise has died. His agency, WME, told The Hollywood Reporter he was 72. I wonder if they have a... It doesn't look like they have a cause of death here. No, I don't see... I don't see a cause of death, so I imagine we'll probably get more details as uh, as the week goes on. But there's uh, there's that breaking news right there. Robbie Coltrane dead at 72. So uh, that kind of puts a damper on things a little bit. But you know, we're we're we jump back and forth here a little bit. All right, let me. Let me put this up here. Dave says, loved him in GoldenEye and the world is not enough. Who do you play in GoldenEye? I don't remember him being in GoldenEye. He was in Flash Gordon, Black Adder. Um, Breakout role was playing Dr. Edward Fitzgerald, an antisocial criminal psychologist with a gift for solving crimes in the Cracker series. Ran over 25 episodes. Uh, now that was in BAFTA. That was that was in uh, Oh Zakowski. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, Valentin Zakowski in Goldeneye and the World is Not Enough. I mean, a lot of people are going to know him as Hagrid, of course. Born Anthony Robert McMillan. He changed his name after uh, after the jazz artist John Coltrane. That's interesting. I didn't know that. <coughs> All right. So who do we have here? Who's 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 next? Who's next? Who's next? One on the on the spinning wheel guinea pig floor here. The streamyard uh, link is up at the top. Anybody wants to uh, uh, anybody wants to. Uh, Join the call. Let's see who's who's here. What am I seeing here? I'm seeing something here. 
Ah, here's Egg. Yeah, uh, a comment over on Odyssey. The old subgenre, once known as men's action and adventure, is starting to reform as self-published literature below the radar. This genre is what led to everything popular with current media. It could be coming around again. That's a good point too. I I think uh, I think we're going to see because you know you look at something like um, uh, the Return of the Fletch movies, you know, with John Hamm playing Fletch. If we can get past the remake, requel, sequel, reboot uh, mindset. <clears throat> Maybe we can find some new stuff. I mean, we're we're getting news comes through here all the time about new you know books being adapted for film and comic books being adapted for film, and we've got this new thing. Uh, uh, we're gonna have the story tomorrow, where uh, uh, Keanu Reeves is going to star in an, an adaptation, a series adaptation over on Netflix of Berserker, his his graphic novel. That we're gonna get an animated Berserker. And we're also gonna get a live action Berserker. So it could be uh, that maybe Bursker is a new franchise. But I think also the other, the other part of that is that we need to not be so focused and fixated on franchises. I think that's one of the things, and you know, I've said Hollywood always takes the wrong lessons from things. One of the things that I think has created this problem with Hollywood is that there's there's no single film it's franchises and sequels and uh, you know trilogies and quadrilogies and 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 it, we need to have films that can stand alone by themselves that don't need a sequel that don't need huge budgets. See, that's where I thought we were going to go post-pandemic. Because these blockbuster movies, two and $250 million movies, $300 million movies, they take a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of technical expertise. Plus, you're going to have to sell a lot of tickets. It requires a huge box office return in order to even break even, much less make the profit that all of these studios ex are expecting. And that profit now has to be a billion or it's considered a failure. You know, a lot of people are predicting Black Adam is only going to do about $750 million. That's not going to cut it for the Warner Brothers. You know, that's not, that's below the bar. You know, Batman versus Superman was considered not successful because it didn't clear a billion dollars. It didn't make the money that they wanted it to make. So, pandemic hits, and nobody's going anywhere, and then it slowly starts to open back up, but nobody's going to the movie theaters, but as, as things got back to normal-ish, and people were starting to get back out and do things, I figured, we primed the pump, we get some stuff going, because these smaller budget pictures, these $20 million, $30 million pictures, and I say that as the you know, smaller budget, I made mine for 3000 but the, the smaller budget pictures, they're faster to turn around. They don't require a whole lot in the way of, of you know, give me a rom-com or a, a, a family drama or some, something, crime thriller or something that doesn't cost a lot in terms of special effects. And get people back out. Get, get stuff back out there for people to see. 
And of course, streaming factors into all of that as well, because if you're going to spend 50 to 60, 70 million dollars on a movie, you can afford to put that in a streaming platform as opposed to theatrical where it's never going to get seen by anybody because we're all staying home. So you have this dichotomy here. They, the Hollywood machine needs the theatrical. And the streaming services are sitting there going, no, 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 you don't need the theatrical. We've got this streaming service right here. It's homemade. It's built in. It's right here. It's, it's our very own distribution channel. The problem with that is you can put your, your movie on that streaming service, but that doesn't guarantee anybody's going to watch it. It doesn't guarantee enough people are going to watch it. And then how do you justify the expense of a product, of a film or a TV series, if nobody watches it? And, of course, we don't have any way of knowing the real numbers on, all, on any of this stuff because they don't report on any of it. So they could be sitting there saying, hey, this is a wonderful thing. This is a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. But the numbers might not be there. The, the, the viewing numbers might not be as portrayed by the streaming services. As we saw, there, you know, the lawsuit up against... Uh, What's the lawsuit? Is the lawsuit against Paramount or Warner Brothers about uh, fudging their numbers? I want to say it's, I want to say it's Paramount, but I don't think so. I, it might be Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, yeah, it was Warner Brothers Discovery. They were sitting there saying, you know, our our HBO Max numbers. There, there's a lawsuit in place right now because you know Warner Brothers Discovery, well AT and T, because it was them at the time are accused of lying, fabricating the number of subscribers that they've got for HBO Max. So, I don't know. Death Angel Shadow says, How about some decent general audience type of movies? Non-preachy stuff. Preachy stuff turns us off. Yeah, it, somebody needs to tell the She-Hulk people that. <coughs> and I, I have not seen the finale. I've seen reactions to the finale. I've seen some descriptions before, before the finale aired. I saw some stuff that leaked. And I've seen some clips. And I don't think... I don't think the results are what the writers had in mind. It Well, I don't think the audience response to the finale is what the writers had in mind because apparently the writers got very, very, very meta-textual in this season finale going behind the scenes of Marvel Studios and it turns out that the whole thing with Marvel is being cranked out by a robot with the acronym Kevin, K-E-V-I-N. And... <clears throat> Yes, they, they take a poke at the visual effects. You know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to change to Jennifer off camera because that's a that's a very expensive thing and our and our visual effects teams have moved on. They're they're all working on Wakanda forever now. And I don't know that that joke is going to fly the way they want it to. I think a lot of the humor falls flat in this series. And <clears throat> for them to do that kind of thing. <coughs> it makes me wonder just how much just how much shine has buffed off of Kevin Feige at this point 
because they're basically poking at Kevin and they're poking at the formula. Which is, is fine if you want to do that. You need to do it in a way that actually works uh, and do it without without your your poke at the at the fans at the audience that's criticizing all of this uh, i don't know i don't know it's okay uh elihu who says uh hi fellow weirdos just been binge watched she hulk loved the fourth wall break in the finale she should have said sorry tom when she bent the loki icon <laughs> what you know <laughs> that fourth wall breaking there's nothing wrong with that you know, I've seen some people that are complaining about it saying, oh, Deadpool did it better. Well, yeah, but She-Hulk did it first. And I like that element of the show. The rest of the show for me, though, was not, not good. Uh, Critical Drinkers got a good video kind of wrap up on, on the season analysis of that show. Um, and it he's got an excellent point. It really does feel like the writers are, are inserting their own personal problems and complaints into Jennifer Walters life. And we don't get a whole lot of depth into Jennifer Walters as a character, as a super powered person, as a lawyer, of course, you know, we've got the fact that nobody writing this show has any idea how the American justice system works. <clears throat> nobody i mean i don't even think they've even watched a law show much less you know they haven't written for one and i think it's a problem because if you don't know your material you should not be writing that and you don't have to be a lawyer to write a lawyer show we don't need that kind of representation if if you do your homework if you do your research you can write a lawyer show but you got to know how lawyers operate and how courtrooms operate and what the process is for all of this. And, and these people have admitted they had absolutely no idea of any, how any of that worked. So, I, yeah, representation. Oh, 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 speaking of which, <clears throat> and, and we're taking to, to dovetail off of what Cam was talking about with the pendulum swinging back. There was a, a football coach. I don't I don't know where I saw that I heard a, I heard a clip this morning. I don't know which coach this was, but apparently he's a black coach. They were asking about the whole thing with representation and all that. And he's he looked at it, he says, this is all on you guys in the media. If you guys didn't make a huge big deal of this, it all go away and it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> I'm 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 paraphrasing there, but he's got a, he's got a point. You know, the the media and the social media <clears throat> make this a thing much more than it actually needs to be a thing. And I think I think that maybe, maybe, possibly might be on on its last legs. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. We'll take a real quick break. Open Line Friday continues. Those of you who want to jump on the show, the link is there at the top of the chat. And we'll be right back right after this. Stand by. Our transmitters are made from hand wavium. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. It's like, okay, hold on. You've got somebody, and all he does is put on some glasses and slicks back his hair, and nobody knows who he is. Nobody recognizes him. It's, 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 it's like that, that, uh, that scene in, in the Green Lantern movie 
where she looks at him and is like, how? You know, like, you just put on a mask and you expect me not to recognize you? The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here along with you. It is Open Line Friday. We've had one call. The phone lines are open, or the StreamYard lines are open, if you want to be a part of the program and uh, share your thoughts. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. Good to have all of you with us. And, um, yeah, it's... It, I, I'm, I am perfectly fine with gatekeeping. I am perfectly fine with... Uh, minimizing the number of, uh, I don't want to say new fans, but the people that, see, this is, this is, this is, this is a challenge because you have, you have the long-term fans, the people who have been fans for however long they've been fans, since they've been kids. Of whatever it is. And part of our fandom, part of our enthusiasm for something, almost requires that we tell people about it. We we want to encourage people. We want to sit there and say, hey, we like this thing. You should You should try this thing. Maybe you'll like this thing too. And... There are there are plenty of different analogies and memes and some different things about, you know, how things are out there in the world where you have this thing that becomes popular. And it's popular because of reason X. And then you have these new people that come in as quote unquote fans. And they get right in the middle of everything, and then they want to change everything. Well, this is popular because of Reason X, but we want to emphasize Reason 12 instead. We want to change it, because now it'll be more popular with the, 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 region, the, the 12 people as opposed to the X people. So all of you X people, you can go away and we're going to make the huge big thing here, only it becomes less popular and less successful because it becomes less of what it was. And it kind of hollows out and guts that thing. And then we're going we're gonna to put it on and wear it like a skin suit and we'll pretend to be fans. And that's where the problem comes in, is where you have people who are genuinely brand new and they get hooked on the thing, and they really enjoy this thing, and yes, now I'm a big Star Wars fan, and yes, now I'm a big Star Trek fan, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. But then you also have people like Heather Antos, and and Dan Slott, and, and that crowd, who sit there and go, well, I'm going to get into this popular thing, and I'm going to use it as a platform to advocate, and be an activist, and spread my message as opposed to telling a good story and you basically just kind of turned this this popular thing into a hollow shell of itself 
And that's when you sit there going, well, if you don't like my politics, don't buy my comic book. Okay. Your terms are acceptable. We are not going to buy your thing. We're going to go make our own thing. And that's where, that's where you get the Comicscape movement and the indie crowd that are sitting there thinking, I don't want to read a gay Superman who's activating for the environment. I want to read Superman punching, you know, punching Darkseid in the face. I want a rip-roaring adventure. You know, if you want to do a human interest story every now and again, fine. You know, Superman saving somebody who's suicidal because he doesn't have anybody, you know, he doesn't have any friends. That's a serious, that's a genuine good story prospect as well. If it's handled right, it's a character piece. But it has to get to the heart of who Superman is if Superman's going to save somebody from jumping off a building and it's a heart-to-heart conversation, not action, rip-roar, and rock'em, sock'em. It's got to have the heart of who Superman is in that story in order for it to work. You know, that's one of the things Mrs. Boss and I got into it a little bit over the, 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 last, uh, the last episode of Andor. She enjoyed it more than I did. I think it's boring as all get out. It's moving so slow. And there are pieces of the last episode, the most recent episode, that have absolutely nothing to do with anything in the story. And we had a little bit of a disagreement. We didn't argue. She enjoyed those things. And I thought, this is completely unnecessary. We keep cutting back to this thing and you're killing the pace. You're killing the momentum of the heist. Because there are things happening with the heist and there are dangers that are building and there's tensions building and, oh, let's go talk to these people who are singing outside with the fire. Action, 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 action. And this thing over here doesn't add anything. And you have a bunch of people, and this goes back to earlier where we were talking about the people who are doing things now get stuck. Well, I'm making Star Wars. Okay. What does that mean? You get locked in, and Tony Gilroy has even said he's had to remind people that were on the crew, don't get so fixated that you're making Star Wars. You know, it's not this holy grail thing. We've got to tell a story. We've got to actually do this thing and and not not think about the the baggage that comes with this this is Star Wars you know Star Trek the same way Doctor Who the same way oh I'm working on I'm working on this show I'm working on this movie ah it's it, it's not a religious experience you still have to tell a good story and I think that's one of the reasons why Doctor Who has done poorly not necessarily because of Jodie Whittaker's performance, but because of the material that she had to work with. Tatiana Maslany, the same way with She-Hulk. She's an excellent actress. She's brilliant. But she's got garbage scripts. And as much effort as you want to put into this script and really sell this story, if it's garbage, you're only going to be able to do so much. Cam says, spoiler, most of these people don't understand storytelling. I, I agree. If you're going to if you're going to do any kind of story, 
Whether it's a TV show or a movie or a novel or a comic book or a short story or anything, web comic, whatever it is, I'm going to tell you, you've got to read at least one book. It's called Story by Robert McKee. It is one of the best, one of the best reference guides to crafting and structuring a, a story from beginning to middle to end. And then, of course, you've got Hero with a Thousand Faces from Joseph Campbell, also recommended on that list. Now, there are other, there are other things that you could do. There's, there's the, you know, the various different, you know, how to create comic books and how to write a novel in 12 days or you know, all these things. And you've got resources that come out, you know, available through uh, the, the November, the National Novel Writing Month. There are tons of resources out there, but those are the two that I would highly recommend among anything else. Story by Robert McKee and, and Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces because that gets into archetypes. I mean, you could get into Flannery O'Connor, you could study, but you could study any of the classic stuff, the pulps, you know, Heinlein and Asimov and Bradbury and figure, okay, well, what makes this work? Analyze the, analyze the characters, analyze the plot, go to A to B to C. And I will say this, as a writer, I'll give you a, I'll give you a piece of professional insight just from me from a, from a creative standpoint. Every single character wants something, needs something. And their actions are driven by that want. And sometimes those wants or needs come into conflict with other characters, and that's where your drama comes from. So if you can define, now those, change, those wants and needs will change as the story goes on, but if you can define what does this character want, even if it's something very basic, I want to survive, I want to, I want to make money, I want to have a podcast, I want to you know, become CEO, I want to solve a murder, Whatever that want or need is, then you have somebody else over here. I want to get away with murder. I want to steal this money. I want to, you know, embarrass someone on national television. I mean, whatever those things are. And when your characters' wants come into conflict, there's your story. And it almost—I don't want to say it—it's—I it, don't want to say it writes itself. But you get the beats because somebody wants something, they take an action. That affects, that impacts what the other person wants. And they take an action. And it impacts that, and it impacts that, and it impacts that. And so your story builds up out of those things. And as the wants and needs change, your plot drives forward. And then at the end, you have some sort of a conclusion. Now, some writers know what the ending is going to be before they get there. Some don't. It just depends on what kind of story you want to tell and how, uh, what your process is for writing. Elihu says, uh, what are your thoughts on Quantum Leap? Have you seen it? I have not yet. Um, it's on my list of things. I need to look at it. Um, going into it, I was not super hyped 
just based on what I'd seen, you know, promos and some different articles ahead of time and, and some different interviews and such. But the network has ordered another six episodes, so they're happy with it. Um, in the 1840, 18 to 49 demographic, it's the number one brand new show this year for the season so far. So it's successful. Doesn't necessarily mean it's good. It could very well be that the nostalgia factor is playing into that. And I know it's it's a continuation of the original. It's a sequel. But at the same time, it's kind of a soft reboot-ish. <clears throat> I mean, it's not really, but it it's it's in that requel type of, of area of, of story. If they can pull it off, if they, if they can make it its own show and not, not member bury the heck out of it, then it should do okay. Uh, but it comes down to the writing. A lot of it comes down to what kinds of stories are they going to be telling and can they execute that plan uh, rather than just, you know, depend on the audience to fill in the blanks with, do you remember that other show? Because that's, that, that, that's, a, that's a recipe for disaster. If they, if they depend too much on the previous show, to fill in the blanks of the current show, then the current show is not going to last more than a season, maybe two. But the network's happy with it. Um, you know, I've seen some. I've seen some mixed reviews. Some some positive. Some half and half. Um, and and yeah, Elihu, I know. I know we spend some time in the in the project Quantum Leap time period as well. We go back and forth, which is unique. Which is good. I mean, it doesn't just become a carbon copy of the original show either. And that's fine. One thing that intrigues me about that is Ernie Hudson's character. Because Ernie Hudson's character is from an episode of the original show when Sam leaped back to, uh, to Vietnam. <clears throat> he actually leaped into this character that Ernie Hudson is playing now. So, uh, yeah, it's a, I, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I just haven't had time to sit down and, and take a look at it and watch it, but it's on my radar. It's on my list. Rings of power. Not so much. It's that, it's that kind of thing. And I don't know when I'll get around to seeing black Adam. I, I would go see Black Adam mainly to see Pierce Brosnan play Dr. Fate. I'm curious to see what his take on that is going to be. Um, but the rest of it, eh. You know, and, and spoilers for anybody who's, who's interested in this kind of thing. I mean, it does, it does bring back a certain particular superhero in a red cape. <coughs> But it's, you know, is that enough? Does that, oh, it, Warner Brothers doesn't seem to know where its head's at with regard to the, to the DC film universe. So I don't know. I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to what happens after The Flash. Because... For good or ill, whatever you may think about Ezra Miller, Warner Brothers is stuck with The Flash. 
They've got to finish it. They've got to release it because they've got so much money piled into that. They have to put it out. They have to release it. And so you're stuck with Ezra Miller at least one more time. Do they... Huh. Okay. Let me run this past you. Because we have an idea that the Flash is going to kind of be a Flashpoint type of story. It's not going to exactly be Flashpoint. You can't do that. But we're going to get multiple Barry Allens, multiple Ezra Miller as Barry Allens. Which is one of the reasons why they can't scrap it, because they can't, they can't replace him. It costs too much, because he's in it more than one character. <clears throat> but what if <clears throat> we, had, we had stuff that got, uh, that got shot? He shot some pickup shots last week. What if they take Flashpoint and mix it with Crisis on Infinite Earths and they kill Barry Allen? If somehow he sacrifices himself like he did in Crisis... You know, basically becoming part of the speed force and and discorporating. That could possibly uh, be a way of salvaging the Flash, and then at that point, whatever happens toward the end of Flashpoint, in whatever iteration that we get in that movie. Uh, there is a way that you can use it to set up a brand new reset DC film universe. Maybe. The problem with this is you keep you keep resetting the, the film universe and you're never going to get to the point where you're as successful as the Marvel films. They wanted to... And the Marvel films aren't even as successful as the Marvel films anymore. I mean, DC... Um, DC, uh, wait, hang, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Elihu, hold on a second here. Elihu who in the chat says, The Flash didn't sacrifice himself, he created a time clone to sacrifice. That's a retcon. If it, 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 I, I'm talking about the actual original Crisis on Infinite Earths. Let's, let's not complicate things too much. Because if you start thinking about time travel and you start thinking about all of the different ways that you can change things, you could do all sorts of things with it. But the the original story as it was presented, Barry Allen died because Barry Allen was gone for an entire generation. There's a whole group of people out there who grew up with The Flash was Wally West. And then you had New 52 and Wally West was gone and Barry Allen's back and you have this new Wallace West, you know, Black Kid Flash. And that didn't go over well for some people. Egg over at Odyssey says, uh, Warner Brothers is still more hopeful. They don't know where their head is, but there's no doubt where Disney's is lodged. Yeah, well, yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't know what's going to happen with Disney. There are signs. Maybe. They're figuring out that they can't play politics. I mean, I think I think Bob Chapek is probably a little bit more aware of that than people want to give him credit for. 
but it's yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I think I think some of it, you know, th and this has been talked about on a number of different channels. You have to also remember that there's a lot of stuff that was in the pipeline the last two three years that were still part of Bob Iger's regime. And as we get past all of the Bob Iger stuff, which, you know, make it, release it, cancel it, do whatever with it, at some point, we're going to be seeing movies and TV shows that are purely Bob Chapek era material. And I think you're going to see a distinct difference there. Uh, you know, Feige is an Iger guy. Feige's been around for much longer than, than, you know, just, you know, Bob Chapek coming in as CEO. And they've had some clashes, according to reports. So, I don't know. I mean, what if, what if Kevin Feige's on his way out? If he's making that Star Wars movie, he's, he's dividing his time much more than he ever has been. He's spread too thin, according to some rumors. And, of course, we've got all of the blowback from the visual effects houses against Marvel being such a terrible client. Mar and, and then, to get all of, the, all of the Phase 5 stuff shifted back six to eight months, <clears throat> you know... What's the one, what's the one that's, that's going back a full year? Blade. Right? Is Blade going back a full year almost? And then everything's being pushed back six months from that. You know, Fantastic Four's moved back. Avengers has moved back. Dune's been moved. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but Dune's Warner Brothers. Dune's not Disney. Yeah. <coughs> I just think that it, as long as as long as everything has been going on, it's still a little bit too soon to really know what's going on or how things are going to shake out, because pandemics in the middle of that, Bob Iger's in the middle of that, streaming wars are in the middle of that, and you know there are a lot, and then and then you have the whole thing with Florida, and the battle there, and we hear about internal strife and conflict and, and who knows how much of that is true or not. So it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a while before we get a really clear picture on what's happening at both. I, I think we're going to get a better picture at Warner brothers than we will at Disney, even in the short amount of time that David Zaslav has been there because he's not wasting any time. He's making cuts. Now remember he's under the gun to clear out billions of dollars in debt. He's going to be slashing and burning as much as he can and still have an effective, creative machine that puts out product. And I agree with him. It doesn't all have to go to HBO Max. Put it where it makes the most sense and makes the most money so you can profit and save your company. Because that's where he's at right now. It's you know, get get the uh, get the the money rolling in 
and and let's let's save our let's save our studio. Uh, saw earlier somebody had come in and and mentioned uh, mentioned the Robbie Coltrane thing. We did that right before the break. We'd mentioned because Mrs. Boss came over and, and brought the breaking news. Uh, yeah, our condolences to the family of Robbie Coltrane, um, seventy-two years old. We don't have a uh, we don't have a cause of death yet. We might not, um, but uh, you never know. We could. <clears throat> All right, that's going to do it for today. We're past our hour, and uh, I think I think today went okay. Went well, we had one call. I mean, you guys, you guys are shy. We'll have to do this. Uh, we will do this again. I don't know that we're going to do it on the regular. We might not do it every Friday, but we will let you know uh, all of the. We will let you know ahead of time when we're going to do an open line Friday, so you guys can get ready. You're going to have to amp up. You know, hype yourself. Get ready to call because, uh, you know, this this is your day. This is your time to shine. So we'll, we will definitely do it again. All right. So in the meantime, uh, you can find us on the various different socials, all the different social media platforms, including the alt tech. And uh, we do want to encourage you to connect with us over on Odyssey. Uh, right now we're sitting at 210. We got 77 over on Rumble. Want to get that number up to 100 so that we have the option of uh, live streaming to Rumble. There's going to be a couple of other things that we've got to do there in order to qualify for that. But I definitely want to try to get to that point. So we need 100 over on Rumble, uh, and then we're sitting at 2148 over on YouTube. So. Encourage your friends to connect with us. Share the link to the channel. Share the link to the videos. And uh, say nice things about us. And tomorrow morning, join us for uh, the week's headlines. Good Morning Multiverse, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central. We're doing prep for that pretty much all day today. Uh, so join us for that in the morning. That'll be live uh, on all of the usual places and then we'll be back here on Monday as we inch closer to episode 500 here live from the bunker. H2O Monday night will be pre-recorded, uh, but we'll be talking more about New York Comic Con stuff, so join us for that as well. That's going to do it for us this weekend, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.